Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. We're recording this Tuesday night, but it's coming out Wednesday. I'm Dave DeFore here with Mo DeKeel and Seth Partnow. So, of course, this is Nerder, she wrote. We we wanted to do a little bit of a live reaction because uh, after 25 games of suspension, John Morant is back tonight and he fixed all the Grizzlies problems, guys. I I don't know about you, but man, 1-0, they're they're. They have a 1,000 winning percentage with John Morant plays this year. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's hard to beat. Yeah, you, you're undefeated. Yeah. That's it. We're the champions. Yeah. <laughs> Crown them, Dave. Um, Crown them. You couldn't have you couldn't have scripted. You could not have scripted a, a better return for John Morant. He had 34 points, uh, had eight assists, had six rebounds, had a couple of steals, had some incredible plays, and had – down the stretch, just took over and had the game winner. I mean, this was a complete experience. That's about an easy a game winner as you're going to see. Guarded too. by Herb Jones. This was not like a pushover yeah. that was out there guarding him on the but, perimeter either. I mean, they let him kind of just like walk right into it, which was sort of surprising in that sense. Like, you know, he kind of, you know, he they called the timeout and couldn't advance it, which is a whole different story, but. Okay, cool. It worked in their favor. Ja just dribbled the ball up the court, and they just let Herb Jones just just kind of meet him. And Ja's too quick for that. And I think that's what kind of led to to that being the relatively easy game winner that Seth's referring to. And you know, we know Herb Jones is a hell of a defender. And it was just like I just think they did a poor job in terms of just sort of stressing the 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 Grizzlies at all. Yeah. Given, given the the shooting or, or lack thereof kind of around, it is surprising that the space was that open for Ja. Like, I think that, that I, watching it back, it looked like you, you're kind of used to seeing teams shrink the floor a little better, especially against a guy who is a, you know, a live wire ball handler. But it, that's 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 more nitpicking and, and you know, obviously credit to, to Morant for making what is what is typically a very tough situation looked pretty easy. Yeah, and it, the thing is, he was it, kind of waltzing to the basket the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, like it was just too easy in that sense in the way he was able to drive and roll through everything. Um, kind of a very Olay-esque defense to a degree from the Pelicans, from guys that we don't expect it defensively. Herb Jones, Daniels. Like we expect them to have a little more fight and bite into their defense than they did tonight. And especially in the second half, like in the first half, it was great. They held them scoreless for like six minutes or four minutes in the, in the second quarter and built this huge lead. And then that just disappeared come the second half. Watching Memphis in this game. I, I still think that obviously like one of the, the big things, and, and I think people have done a good job of, of bringing it up is missing Steven Adams, missing Brandon Clark, missing that offensive rebounding. So I actually found it kind of funny that Ja, he scored his first point on an offensive rebound. I mean, this is like one of the things that their offense really depends on. 
uh, quite a bit. And, and they depend on the penetration that he was able to get in this game. I mean, the, the driving kick game from John ja Morant is their half court bread and butter, and they haven't really had that. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if they can save this season, which, you know, 26 games in, they're seven and 19. Um, I did some quick math. I think they've got to win at like a 50 one win pace or something like that from here on out to get to 500. Um, but I don't, I mean, does 500 get you in? Um, is that, is that play in, in the West? I don't, I don't know. It's probably there or thereabouts, but I think you're, you're bringing up that it might be the, the Grizzlies with Morant are, are like, a like there, there's some other teams like this where, his importance to them because of the lack of other players who have a whole lot of creativity is almost magnified. I mean, they're, they're last in offense on the season. They're, they've been two and seven heading into night and in clutch games. And I think those things are related in the fact that, as you say, their half court offense, which has never been great, even with him, but at least maybe can stay afloat, uh, has just completely lacked any sort of juice without him. And now maybe uh, that, that, put some other people, uh, Jaron Jackson especially, into perhaps more comfortable roles where they can, can uh, you know, excel. And I don't think they're going to be a top offense the rest of the season. But even just them getting to – their defense has been good enough that if they, they even get to an average offense, 50-win pace is not a ludicrous ask, even with the, 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 the talent they have on the sidelines with the injuries to have Adams and Brandon. Yeah. Clark. And one of the other things with Ja, I mean, he got to the free throw line. He, he put pressure on the rim, put pressure on the defense by drawing fouls. Sorry, Mo. Uh, your Wi-Fi is just throwing me off here. It's uh, go ahead. Well, one, you didn't have to tell the audience that two. Yeah, it is ludicrous. <laughs> well, they're watching the on YouTube. Win pace at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. But like, you, the, and the people who are listening to the podcast audience didn't need to know. The everybody else could have figured it out. But yeah, no, I think it is ludicrous, Seth, in the West. I think it's it's, it's extremely difficult in the Western Conference to think that they're going to be able to go win fifty games. Like, okay, they beat a New Orleans team tonight. Like, a lot of the whole Western Conference is stacked. Like, I think this is one of those things. Like, you you know the. I wasn't worried about Memphis with the jaw suspension until we saw the injuries to Steven Adams. And he's, I mean, that's the the big issue for them. And I think that's the real problem for this team. Like I'm not saying they can't win a 50, you know, win at a 50 win pace, but I'm just saying like still going to be pretty ludicrous if they do that. And considering in the Western conference in the East. Yeah. There's a bunch of, terrible teams. Yeah. I almost cursed there and I was very proud of myself. There was a bunch of terrible teams in the Eastern conference that they could beef up their schedule on. But like in this case, there's not a lot. And I think that's the, uh, um, uh, in the West, I think that's a big ask. So we, we, um, we were kind of kicking it around in the chat, whether this would, this Grizzlies team would be a candidate to, to buy, you know, coming into the, the trade season and whether they might take a swing. I, I don't think they will. I mean, we, we, have said in previous weeks, we consider this a gap year. It's just when you get games like this, especially you see John Morant and and how different that team looks when he's out there with them. You just hate to see, you know, a team that we thought was on its way up uh, have to take a gap year in the middle of what should be their competitive portion of uh, of this group, right? But it's more than just the jaw stuff. Like 
It's the injury to Clark that has him out for a year. It's the injury to Adams. Marcus Smart hasn't played in, I, I don't even remember the last time he was on the court. Like, it's a lot of stuff. With, I almost forgot he was on this team. Yeah, no, I mean, seriously, that's the point, right? Like, it's 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 more than just, I mean, yeah, the 25 games from Ja kills you. If he's playing all season, they're not uh, 6-19 and 19 before tonight. And I think they're, you know, they're, they have a better record and they have a better chance of competing in the West. But they dug themselves a hole. They, it's going to be hard to dig themselves out of it. But it's not just all Ja. Like, all these injuries are killing them. And I think that's just a massive issue with that. And I think it's dangerous for them to send out good assets for uh, uh, trying to be the the ninth place team in the Western Conference this year. When I think normal yeah. season next year, they're right back in the thick of things. I mean, we did see uh, you know a couple play in teams get pretty far last year. I mean, the Lakers made it to the conference finals. The Heat made it, you know, to the finals. I mean, it's. It's not like there's no value to being in the play-in mix if you're a good team, right? So, but it's more, I understand it's like pushing, you know, this is a Sisyphean sort of task, right? But it's like, okay, the Laker team would possibly the best NBA player ever or the second best, whatever your preference is. And, and Anthony Davis, who's not bad. And, you, you, you know, in that sense, and then you have the Miami team that like, let's just be honest, you know, the, they're, they got they were fortunate with the uh the the Giannis injury and maybe they still beat him if Giannis doesn't get hurt you know and mm-hmm. misses a game or or whatnot and they they won all the games that he played in and all that we know that stuff they played a Knicks team that was uh, uh not quite ready to go to the conference finals and you know they just how tough that I I just feel like when people say that, like, oh, a lottery, let's see it happen a couple more times before we're going to start saying this is a normal thing. It was, I think last year was more of an outlier. And yeah. I think this I mean, year well, the Lakers probably be more chalk. Yeah, the Lakers completely retooling at the trade deadline, like, honestly. And then LeBron was injured in the lead up to the playoffs. They probably get themselves out of that play in if, if they're healthy. So, and I think just to, to put a button on this, like, the Lakers maybe knew what they had and what they didn't have with their key guys yet. And I think if we see, you know, Jaron Jackson start to get back to defensive player of the year form, if we see a couple of the young guys now that there's someone to maybe set them up, start to develop into what look like real playoff ready pieces, then maybe in addition to them going on a winning streak, I think that's as much both things have to happen is they have to look like the guys they have available next to jaw look good enough and they're thereabouts from a record standpoint. And I think that both of those things happening is probably, it is certainly uh, more likely to not happen than it is by a significant mark. Um, we don't often get to do these sort of, I mean, it's not even real gamer, but it's a little bit of a gamer. You guys uh, have any Pelicans thoughts from, from this game? Um, you know, I know Zion was questionable with some flu-like symptoms before this game, so that could explain some of the lackadaisical defense out there. Okay, what about the other games? <laughs> okay, so if you're, yeah. what does that? What does it explain it's the other big, games? Big hanging curveball. <laughs> like, no, I'm just tired of this stuff, man. Like, listen, uh, I'm gonna go on a rant here. Um, so everybody brace yourselves and hopefully the Wi-Fi holds up, but you know, I tweet out a clip of Zion getting cooked by Ja, and the, uh, 
uh, Pelican fans, the defenders of Jaw and what's all that's right coming after the evil Mo because because J- Zion had two fouls, so he you know he didn't try hard that play. Cool. What about all the other plays? What about all the other games that we've seen him not try hard? Like honestly, like when are we going to stop making excuses for him? It's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. Like at this point, like if, if he's not going to try hard on defense, he's not going to try hard on defense. I'm going to point it out when I see it. And it's simple as that. And there's not much changing with that. It's frustrating to watch. The kid has talent. He tried hard defensively last year. We saw a piece of it where it looked good. And it's just a matter of him not doing it. And okay, it's fouls. It's okay. It's He's sick. Okay, it's this. It's that. It's How many more excuses are we going to give this guy for not trying on the other end of the court? And a lot of times he looks lackadaisical on the offensive end this season. It's been a lot of weird vibes from him all season. He's made weird comments in post-game press conferences. Like, just at the end of the day, like, I, I I throw my hands up with Zion. I just don't know what to do or what to say anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame because, you know, as a defensive prospect, he came into the league and we had, I mean, we had high, high hopes. Um, and the run that this team went on in the second quarter was was spurred by defense. Herb Jones and Dyson Daniels were smothering on the perimeter in that second quarter. And so you could see like if, if Zion was just, let's say defending at a league average for his position level, right? League average, not even like, I'm not saying he needs to be this all NBA defender, but if he's league average, the Pels are just better. They're just better. And I know everyone, like they want to focus on the offensive end because again, this is what gets people paid. And and this is what makes highlights. But Seth, that you know, at some point, like you've got to do it on both ends if you want to be a, a real star. And it's and it's also it's it's I think the the word that underpins a lot of Mo is what Mo is talking about is consistency. And there's a lot of players who, on a given night, can look great and you know, but give some good defensive plays and and so on and so forth. Uh, but it's it's the the difference between the guys who are pretty good and the guys who are really driving li- winning at an elite level is that night the night to night consistency and um, that I think that's a criticism we can level a little bit at, at at kind of both stars on the Pelicans if we're honest like Brendan Ingram was good to, was very good tonight but it's not every night he's like across the season he's I, I it's it's almost you don't want to hang too much of a, on it because it's the narrative in his first game back, but it's there's something almost fitting about two almost guys and then Morant showing what the guy looks like, and and that's 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 horribly reductive, but it might not be. I wrong. mean, but we know it's true. Like it, this happens all the time. The best player in a playoff series actually matters in. in in basketball, like it does matter. And, and so having the best player yeah. in, in any possession or a game or whatever matters. And, and job was down the stretch. I mean, he, he was the best player on the, on the floor, hands down, just unstoppable. Not and I mean, not even close. Yeah. yeah. And, and it has to be demoralizing. So um, anyway, that was a fun game and, and it's way more fun to have job back and playing because now, Hopefully the Grizzlies can be watchable. <laughs> I mean, they're whew, it's been rough. They will be, they will be, they will be like you saw it right away with Ja, just the way he's getting to the rim and 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 sliding in the way, like, you know, to be honest, it didn't look that rusty. I mean, granted, it's the first game, and I think there's a lot of bounce with adrenaline and things like that. It might take him a little while, but like 
they'll be they'll be fun to watch for sure. Like mm-hmm. there's no question. I think you guys said it. Jaron Jackson Jr. gets to slide into his spot. Desmond Bain gets to slide in to his normal position. Like I think there's a lot of that stuff too that's going to help them. I just think they've going six and nineteen in those twenty five games. That killed you. If you if if you got the ten wins, that would have been a win for them. But those four, and when you just look at it, the fact of like before tonight, they were six six and a half games behind Golden State, and Gordon Golden State's eleventh. Like that says a lot. Like that's the challenge there, and I think it's going to be really difficult for them. Yeah, um, and also maybe they could have used Dylan Brooks this year. Uh, moving on, I thought uh, it was a good time to check in. Should have dropped that one and run away. Yeah, not giving me a chance to respond, but go ahead. uh, Most Wi-Fi. Um, (laughs) We we uh, like to play a little game around the Athletic NBA show sometimes called the Panic Meter. I'm gonna sound the Panic Meter. You guys, let me know where you are on a scale of one to ten on the Panic Meter with these teams. Um, And this is a rough one to start with because we do like this team has been sort of a you know a podcast pet. I would say the Cleveland Cavaliers are having a rough one. Uh, Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, both going to be out for at least like the next six to eight weeks. Um, And it's compounding. Like it's at the exact same time. Uh, It's been a rough season for them. Are we looking at another team dealing with a gap year? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. I think on top of that, we also have to mention that Jared Allen is having a, a, a significantly less of an impact this year than he did a year ago. And I don't know if that's, you know, hangover from the playoffs, if that's, you know, Mobley trying to do a little more before he got injured or or, or what what have you, but he hasn't been quite as impactful this year, really on either end of the court uh, as, as he has been in the past. And I, so I think, you know, there, there were a team of that, that had four guys and then we weren't sure what, I think they did a good job adding the fifth fifth guy. Like Max Struess has given them what they needed in that spot. It's just other than than Donovan Mitchell, like the other three, some through no fault of their own, haven't really hit the heights that they thought they could. The uh, I mean, one is still weird. Seth doing a uh, ghost story podcast there with the uh, little campfire <laughs> deal. You guys want to make fun of my Wi-Fi? That's a fair. Uh, he's got some very like. Suspect romantic lighting. Um, it, it's the dinner yeah, service. Right. I don't know what's going on. There. It's, just, it's, it's so incredibly <laughs> awkward. Um, the uh, <laughs> the other thing. This is why we're not allowed to record at night. the The other thing for the Cavs, though, is I think they're just in a weird position now, where I think they have to decide Garland or Mitchell. 
they got to decide Allen or Mobley. I think we've seen enough. At least I have in the sense of like those guys can't play together. And it's very difficult. I think the easy one to see is Mobley and, and Allen in the sense of the floor spacing and whatnot. I think, you know, there there's a lot of issues in that stuff. I think they need to kind of figure out which one of those two guys they like. And I think we can guess which one. Uh, and then I think on the other end, I know it sounds weird when you say like Garland and Mitchell can't play together. It's hard. I know they got to the playoffs last year, but you saw it really in the playoffs. The offense ran so much more smoothly when the ball was in Darius Garland's hands and everybody just stood and watched when it was Donovan Mitchell's hands. And I think that's kind of the, the issue for this team and the organization has a big decision to make with, especially with the uh, Mitchell's free agency coming up next off season. I think they got to start figuring out what they want to do and, and chart a course forward with that. I think that's really going to be the challenge for them. I think, it's been a very disappointing start to the season. And, you know, now the injury bugs hit them where I think you're right, Dave. And I think it's probably sucks that for them to have like a gap year, but they're going to be in some kind oh. of quasi gap year sort of situation. Although I would say, look, there are worse positions to be in. I, I'm with you. I, I think Garland and, and Mobley are the future there. And I think that that's how you have to gear up. Um, but you have Donovan Mitchell with, and he is a hugely valuable player. And could potentially, if you find the right dance partner, you might be able to solve some of the holes that you've got. I mean, this team has for years needed a 3 and D wing. It's needed like a two guard. You've got Max Struess, as you guys talked about, and he's sort of a perfect fit. I, I, you know, I've been envisioning scenarios where they could somehow get Cam Johnson from Brooklyn for, for, for Mitchell. And, and like... You know, and maybe some other stuff. Um, and it solves a lot of their maybe. roster fits, right? Like you add that three and D guy, and all of a sudden it does open things up a little bit more. But so much of it is dependent on what Mobley can develop as as a five, because you know Jared Allen is needed until Mobley can be your full time five. I mean, that's just kind of that's the story. But I, do you feel like he's? Have you seen enough to to feel like you'd be willing to bet? He's ready next season. I think he's, no. it, but it doesn't matter. I think that's the thing. Okay, that right. You yeah, have fair. to put him in at some point. Like, you know, the whole thing with, with Chet right off the gate has started at center. Right. And now you're seeing the Spurs now shifting and putting Webb and Yama finally at center. These are the positions they're going to be. If that's the position you're going to be, let's stop delaying the development. And, and, and put them in those positions. And I think that's kind of the, the, the scenario you got to kind of start looking at and start playing them at that. I think it was, look, you tried the twin towers thing. It didn't work, right? You're not able to spread the floor. The paint's congested, all that stuff. And even with Mobley's passing ability, you just, it just hasn't seemed to click with those guys. So now you got to move him to the position he's going to end up playing anyways. And start developing him there and get him reps at that position. I think that's the most important thing for them. And I think from there that he can grow into that position. Man, Chet Holmgren wasn't ready. He's just put in the position and now he's 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 doing it. Nobody's ever ready as a rookie or a, a second year guy or third year guy. It takes a minute. <laughs> I thought you were talking about becoming a parent. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> well, nobody becoming a center in the NBA, becoming a parent, basically the same thing. Um, same so thing, panic same meter thing. was. Panic meter wise, I think I'm at like a five here. It's more of a, hey, this stinks, but it's circumstantial. This is not like a failure. Um, and again, they've got very good pieces. This is not a team that's going to be bad anytime soon. 
I think the the lingering panic bell is, I think, you know, the speculation about whether Donovan Mitchell would want to stay there has been has been uh, I think that was that started five minutes after he got <laughs> traded. Much. Right. Um, and and frankly, I, I kind of agree with with the sentiment you guys are saying. And in a similar way you're talking about, Mo. Uh, moving him might be best because I think that while it made them a better team last year, they didn't really get to see what Mobley could develop as as an offensive player by bringing in a, a guy who is who has so much of the ball and such a high creative burden as, as Mitchell. So the, the you know he didn't get a chance to to learn and make some of the mistakes that need to happen for to see if he can become more than like a, a more of an offensive cog move towards maybe even if it's just like a bam out of bio type offensive player where he's not necessarily like a scoring hub but a guy who you can make a central part of your offense and they haven't really really had a chance to experiment with that almost yeah i think the other like the thing with the uh with the Cavs, we should also kind of mention they are the sixth seed right now in the East. We'll see how it plays out and everything. Like they could very well be a playoff team, and we could both we could all still be going like, eh. Doesn't feel like it did last year. Like last year was the feel good story. I feel like this year was a regression with everything that's kind of happened to them. So like I know we're pouring water on them now. It's not doom and gloom. So I'll go four with the panic meter, but like I don't. I'm more just kind of concerned about how are they going to try to develop these guys and what are the, you know, they, I feel like they need to stop kicking the can and start making a decision. Yeah. Oh, I said, Seth, you, you look like you had one more thing to say. No, I was, I was, I was going to, I mean, I was just, you know, they're a half game behind the Knicks who are in fifth, but I mean, I think we would all agree. We feel like much better about the Knicks as, you know, maybe the Knicks aren't a championship caliber team. But they're yeah, a their solid floor is pretty good. Team who know it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't. I I think we we, uh, you know, we would probably draw a line under the Knicks in the standings and say these are these are the teams we feel good about, and below that are the teams we feel well. The below that are teams we're <laughs> yeah, talk pretty about much stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, b- below the the Knicks line. Um. All right. Let, let's move on to the next team. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, are eleven and fifteen as we record this. It's tied for the last play-in spot. Um. This is not I, I this is not where this team expected to be. I mean, the team made a conference finals a couple years ago, and that might it was definitely a fluke. We, we can we can call it a fluke, but you know, basketball can be a fluky sport. Um, Quinn Snyder had a full you know off season had had training camp. Um, this team just isn't really that good. I think is the biggest problem. What do you guys think? <laughs> I mean. You know they've they they, they yeah they're, they're in terms <laughs> that's, of that's, 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 that's it that's it that's how you describe the hops. no 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 no, 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 no. But that's everybody I'm not trying to kill no. you that's everybody like uh, uh. yeah <laughs> no but if but it, but like you know there's think of the players on that team that there were some like high it hopes internal development like DeAndre Hunter has has plateaued and perhaps regressed since his his in the last couple of years um they maybe made the wrong choice between him and herder uh for that that wing spot um capella is fine but he's blocking a kongu and a kongu hasn't really developed in in quite the in, in the way you would you would think well he clearly should 
you know, we, I think we've wanted to see him surpass Capella, but has he? I don't know. Uh, you've got the the same weird backcourt dynamic in Atlanta, just with uh, not as good <laughs> players. I mean, I think Donovan Mitchell's a better player than Trey Young, and Darius Garland is is slightly, but I think he's a better player than Dejounte Murray. Um, but it's it's similar dynamic, um, and yeah, it's just you know the bright spot for them this year is Jalen Johnson. I, I mean, that's the hard part, right? Like, that's the thing with the team. Like, you're like, Jalen Johnson is the bright spot. How many people knew who Jalen Johnson was coming into the league, like coming into the season? We're ready to kind of jump on that that bandwagon. I think there's a lot of things with it where I'm disappointed in a lot of things. Disappointed, I thought, after Quinn Snyder would have a, a full offseason and a training camp. Not really impressed with that all that much. You know, the the Trey and DeJounte Murray dynamic just hasn't worked. And we could, you know, for whatever, a million reasons, it's just not come together in that way. And this was one of those things where like, that's not where I wanted DeJounte to go. I didn't think that was a good landing spot for him. And I feel like we, we all just thought like, okay, whatever, it should just fit fine. And it hasn't worked out because it requires Trey to give up the ball more often than not. And I don't know if that's something he wants to do. He's been, he's been better at it this year to a degree, but still the whole thing is just flux and it's just bad decisions. You know, you talked about it, Seth, giving up on Herder for DeAndre Hunter and then not being able to develop Hunter says a lot. We're not sure if a Kong can surpass Capella. Probably the only way they'll ever find out is if they trade Capella and then they have to hope they were right. Cause if they're wrong and now they're, they're in even worse position. And like, that's kind of the scary proposition there. I just think the organization itself has a whole lot of stuff they got to look at in terms of how they operate from the top on down. And I think there's a lot of things there and it's just kind of, they're just blah. Like I made fun of you for the, the sounds you made before you start, but that's honestly my feelings about like, okay, let me turn on the Hawks. Uh, It's a morass. Like, it's just like, let me turn off the Hawks. It's, it's not yeah, yeah, it's, it's not Detroit because it's not it's not embarrassing. You know, this is not they've they haven't lost 20 some odd games in a row. They're just not. They're just like a run of the mill bad team. I think like there's there comes a point and I will give Trey Young credit. Trey Young has played more defense this season than in every other season. He has played organized basketball combined. More defense, low bar uh, possessions, full possessions than he's ever played in his life. Um, but he's still not like he's never going to be a, an average defender ever. It, even if the, like the effort is there every single night, he just doesn't, isn't going to have the body for that. He's not going to have the size. I mean, we've talked about this sort of archetype and, and his value has to come, you know, 80, 85 percent on the offensive end. Right. You just hope that he doesn't give up too much. Um, uh, defensively, that that the offense is is all worth it. Uh, but the Dejounte thing, I, I mean, I really did think that that would work. I know you didn't like it, Mo. I didn't like it necessarily for him as a piece, but I thought it would it would sort of solve your your Trey Young problem. You add another playmaker, he can really defend. He rebounds his position exceptionally well. Um, but it, it just, I think it's just a more of a like a domino effect of the failures on the wing and you know finding that that adequate four i i mean 
I've I think it's listeners of this pod will know I've never been the biggest Trey Young guy, but they're they're fourth in offense and and that's you know so Trey's kind of done his job and yeah he's he's not great defensively, but with the rest of the talent on their roster, starting with Murray and Capella and Hunter is supposed to be a, 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 a defensive wing, like they're twenty seventh in defense and that's not all on Trey. No. And so you just it's it's you know. Getting back to the blah, like the rest of the roster is, I guess, just kind of blah. And they've got a star and a blah roster. And in today's NBA, that's yeah. what it gets you. Um, I'm so I'm, a, I'm like one a person on that roster. Hold on. I'm only going to defend one person on that roster. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich is not blah. And how dare you, Seth, call him blah. Okay. How dare you, sir? <laughs> that is offensive and wrong. Okay, he is not blah. He needs to be free and needs to be free on a bugged team on where he can let, and, and, and let it go. If there's one guy you've been all over the John Collins needs to be traded thing for years. Well, you are on the wrong guy because John Collins got to Utah and he hasn't done very much. Free Bogdanovich. By the way, both of them. We'll talk about the other one in both a second. But free both <laughs> Bogdanoviches, please. Um, all right, here's it. I've got them at like a, a, a six or a seven. They've been here for a while, right? Like th- this is a team that just they needed. I think it's time for some changes, maybe wholesale. Um, I want to speed us up a little bit because we're we're dragging on. We're we're hammering these guys too bad. Um, the Phoenix Suns. This is actually a good team. Ten. Ten. Look, Bradley Beal. <laughs> this injury stuff is an issue, right? Like, and, and it's not just about Bradley Beal. It's about Kevin Durant and Devin Booker too. The workload on those guys, I think, is just too high. Um, this was a, an issue that we thought they might run into this season, lack of depth for, for, uh, for the Suns. Like we know that that's important, especially in a long regular season. They don't really have any great defenders. I think Nurk has been up and down, but, but mostly decent this season. I, I don't know if it helps them in the playoffs, but, um, I'm really, really worried uh, about, uh, the Suns because of the Beal situation. So I got a question to ask you guys off of that. With the Beal situation, Booker's missed games. KD's been the healthiest of them all. How many games do they need to have together for you to feel comfortable with this? Like, what do you need to see? We're at, what, 25 right now, I think, for the Suns? And, and, yeah. and you know, like, how many games do you need to see the three of them all together? They've only played, I think, about 24 minutes together. What do you guys, how many do you need to see where you can go, okay, this is something I'm, I'm, I'm now confident in? Well, this is kind of what we've dealt with with the Clippers for the last few years where their health has waxed and waned and it seems like their stars were never healthy at the same time and they get to the playoffs and they play like a bunch of strangers, you know? Uh, Seth, I don't know, is, is chemistry and familiarity important in the sport of basketball come playoff time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps. I, I mean – I don't even know that it's not even just the comfort with each other. Like, I think we had questions over whether this trio is actually like, it's going to sound weird given the, the, the caliber of all three players, but it are, is it actually good? And like, I would need 30 games of it being good and not just, you know, being two guys going off and Bradley Beal being the, the highest paid, you know, place kicker in history, essentially uh, to, and have it be effective and win games. I would need to see about, you know, six weeks of that to, to feel good about this team because 
I didn't coming into the season. I think none of us were particularly happy with that trade. And, and I think that, you know, they haven't had a chance to, <laughs> to, to prove it, but they haven't proven it. And also everyone, the, the guys are hurt. The load you've talked about on Booker and Durant has them 10th in, in the West. Mo, what about you? Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm terrified. Been I, I've been worried about them. I mean, you talk about Nurkic being up and down. I'm telling you, he's a playoff problem. Whenever I see guards go at him in the pick and roll, it's for the most part rough, you know, from what I've seen. Uh, and I think the uh, there's a lot of cha- like Chris Paul blew by him in a game. Chris Paul, old ass Chris Paul, and I love Chris, but still, man, like that shouldn't happen. And I think there's a lot of stuff with what we're watching with them. And I think there's a lot of difficulty for them. And I just worry they got a lot to figure out once they get those three guys healthy. Who's the fifth starter? What's, you know, what's the rotations and who can play with who and whatnot? Like, I don't know, Seth, if 30 games is enough. I almost feel like the boat has sailed in terms of them having enough time to figure it out. Like, I I felt like they kind of needed the whole season. And it's, you know, by the time they're talking about Beal, what, like January, early January, mid-January, what's that, another three weeks? Like, yo, you're in trouble. And that's a that's a real issue with those things. And I think that's a concern for them where I, my panic meter is 11, Dave. I know most meters go to 10, but mine, I'm, mine goes to you 11. Broke it. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the, the a question here that I think illustrates why the panic is so high. Based on what you just said, Mo. It, this is a create. I'm surprised I'm asking it, but if it was announced tomorrow that Beal was out for the season, would they in, be in better shape than they are with the limbo of not really knowing? It's a good question. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I would, I the fact would, that right. it's even a question, I think, illustrates where we are. I know what you're saying, I mean, I like think, that that yeah. limbo kind of is is important, but I just think also the talent deficit's so hard because I don't know if they right. have a way to get anything else. Right. To turn, okay, we don't have Beal for the season. All right, time to start dealing and making sure we get it's, you know get the say, pieces we need. Yeah. They're in a tough. It's spot kind of the opposite. Way, so I almost it, think like it's difficult. In some ways, it's opposite of like the way I look at Cleveland. Like Cleveland, okay, 
two good players are out, but you still have this guy who's an asset that you can maybe trade and get more stuff. Whereas with with Phoenix, the guy who's out would be the guy that you would maybe shop around, you know, um, if it wasn't working out. Uh, it's You're not shopping around Kevin Durant. You're definitely not shopping around Devin Booker, right? Um, I think that well, with he, that no you trade know, clause, in, you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Fitting. Uh, that's, <laughs> oh my God. I completely forgot. In the that's heat why of the moment, the Bradley Beal has a no trade clause. I totally forgot after. Oh that man. Is, yeah. Well, I mean, listen, you know, um, I, I'm sure he likes Phoenix. It's, uh, you know, it's great weather there in the winter. <laughs> um, man. Yeah. They, yeah, I, I might be I might be pretty high up there. I think I'm a good nine or ten. Um, next up, the Toronto Raptors. They are the NBA's most confused team that is so clearly not good and should just completely reboot. Uh, and they've kind of been in this situation for years. This year, right now, as we're recording, they are tied with the Atlanta Hawks for that last play-in spot, eleven and fifteen. That feels it fitting, does, doesn't it? Because I, I think I'm going to make a similar sound. They're Atlanta the North. That I, get about that. Just like, I mean, they, they're doing it completely differently, but it's like, you know, there's some talent there, but it doesn't really fit, and they don't have enough creation, and 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 how good is? It's almost like they're they're a weird amalgam of Atlanta and Cleveland. In that, you know, the biggest question for them is what is Scotty Barnes? And do we know? I, I I'm waiting for Mo to answer Scottie that. Scotty Barnes is a player. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a player. I think he's a guy that you could, I don't know if he, I don't think he's a number one. I think he's more of a uh, Robin than a Batman in that instance, but I think he'd be a really good Robin. But I think the problem for them is this is a team that's, Atlanta North is a great way to put it, Dave. Like this is a team that again, kicks the the can down the line, you know, and down the road. Like they screwed up last year, not getting anything for Fred Van Vliet. Huge problem. You let him walk away for, for nothing in free agency. Now you're in the same position with OG and Anobi and Pascal Siakam. I don't imagine the markets as high now as it was for OG last year. I could be way wrong and watch him go for like a million picks tomorrow. Uh, but I think you have a lot of guys like you should have made some moves. You should have made those hard decisions last year. And now I just wonder if they have the the stomach to make those decisions this year. And if they're going to lose guys again for nothing, I think they're in a really weird spot. Again, it's funny. A lot of these teams we're talking about to me, my issues are more management and how they're kind of like dealing with these guys and, and, and building a roster and preparing this team sort of moving forward. And I think that's kind of the, the issues with Toronto. They don't want to pick a, a a lane. Yeah. Well, with Toronto for sure. It, it's funny. No, it, it's it's funny with Toronto because they built the championship team by making hard. Okay, well, we have the coach of the year, but he's he's not good enough in the playoffs. So we're gonna we're gonna move on and hire a first time coach. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a swing on on. Kawhi Leonard, you know, going into his free agent year and and trade kind of a franchise icon for him. Um, it, 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 they it, then once they got there, it's like okay, we're not quite good enough. Let's let's now trade for Mark Gasol, and that's how they built the team to to win the title. And then since then, it's like you say, Mo, that just sort of by not making decisions, they're having decisions made for them. Yeah, plan is. I mean. Uh, 
they they have to be hoping that like Indiana is going to say we want to get OG now instead of waiting until the summer or or Pascal Siakam like they got to be hoping for that in the next couple of months because I mean like if you let's just throw a hypothetical let's say you're you're the Pacers and you're thinking hey I might be interested in this guy um, you could get him now with bird rights and that's the good move um, but we saw last year we thought that might happen with Van Vliet and Toronto just had no interest whatsoever they're they're definitely not going to do that again right there it's not about no interest whatsoever the problems from what we hear about dealing with toronto is Masai will take you all the way to just your one yes away from the deal being done and then deciding i'm not doing it and i think that's like as a or as another organization how do you deal with that like in a trade discussions yeah. like that's brutal and i think that's one of those things there and, and you, I'm with you, Dave. They can't do it again, but I'm not convinced they won't. Like it's in, in my honest opinion, like I don't, I'm not confident, you know, that, that they won't do it again. Cause they just did it and it was dumb. I, I, my panic meter doesn't even register all that high for the Raptors because we've been sitting here for a while. I, I mean, you, you can't actually slowly boil a frog because slowly boiling it, it actually would jump, jump out. You need to flash boil the frog. But I've been slowly boiled by the Raptors because they've just kind of been this for a while. The phrase is wrong. I'm sorry. I, always had, I need podcast. to correct it before we, I use we've it. Had a, it we've a had a... We don't podcast at night very often. It's been a long day, guys. All right. (laughs) And there's a reason why. (laughs) All right. Let's let's move to the last uh, the last team on our panic meter list. Uh, Can we we actually take two two. teams together? We were gonna. I was gonna skip the Washington Wizards because, like, they're not panicking. The Detroit Wizards or the Washington. Well, the thing about the Wizards is, I actually I, I reconsidered them after adding them to the list because I wouldn't call them panicking. They're just bad, awful, and they're in the the beginning stages of a complete teardown and they're they're going to move and maybe they rebrand i mean this is going to be like you know a, a a franchise overhaul like we maybe have never seen before they, i mean it, it just who knows um and also i think that the group running them um just the track record that they have uh with, with okc with the clippers i mean you know we at least need to give them a little bit of time. Yes, they have some very unserious things happening. Jordan Poole every single night. Um, but, uh, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, you got to put guys out there, right? You got to get to that salary floor. No, when, <laughs> when you put it that way and you remember that this is this is paying the medicine, this is the medicine for not making decisions for years and years with Beal, and now it's – and, and as you say, a new group has come in. And I mean, there's so, a look. I think you're right. That, to that, be made the, that this could be the executive group of the year because they got off the Bradley Beal no trade clause contract as early as they did. Only thing I got to say about Washington is pay attention, Toronto. When you keep oh. kicking the can, this is the kind of stuff that happens. Just saying. Yep. That now that's a that's a great point. Okay, so the other team was the Detroit Pistons, which. Um, your panic meter is probably broken with because, I mean, it's hapless. It's 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 one thing about it is because there's no expectations, right? There were low expectations for this team. If you were if you had a high expectation for them, it was possibly play in tournament. Like it was along those lines with that. But I think the uh, 
I think what we're really seeing when we're watching the Detroit Pistons is this is why you don't hire a coach that's turned you down multiple times when you kept raising the price. When you kept offering more money and he kept saying no, you don't keep offering him more money till he says yes, because clearly he did not want this job. It was pretty well documented before they hired him that he wasn't that interested in it. It just got to the point where they offered him so much money, he couldn't turn it down. Now, I have that's the first problem, right? And that starts with, with management in the front office. The other thing with management in the front office, can you stop freaking drafting centers, constantly <laughs> looking to get a new center every – it just feels like you have just an abundance of centers. I feel like in this next trade cycle, they're going to get two more. It's just kind of ridiculous at this point. And it's not like they found any that's – I mean, like I like Duran. You know, Isaiah Stewart's fine, but like it's not – Wow, we've, we've there's no really knocked it out of there's the park no with these. You, you just sort of haven't really killed it in that regard. So, like, management has really kind of killed themselves there. But then also, back to Monty Williams. Yo, I get you're trying to change the culture. I get you're trying to make certain things matter. You also got to play your young guys. You got to develop them because that's the only way this team's going to get out of it. And for it have been such a hard struggle for Jaden Ivey to get actual minutes and for Marcus Saucer to get actual minutes, you know, over Killian Hayes, like is is kind of ridiculous. We all know what Killian Hayes at this point is. He ain't an NBA player, not a not a starter at the very least. And I think that's a, a lot of the stuff you you start there. And this has been a categorical failure from the top down. And again, it all started in the summertime when they just kept asking Monty to coach this team, and he kept saying no. Like, listen, at a certain point, you have to just realize. He's not that into you. Wow. Hey, what's the you plan? You know, Seth, you know what what's they the say? Plan Every here? man has a no, price. Just... If you go yeah. high enough. <laughs> yeah, there. I mean, what is the yeah. plan, Seth? I mean, I, I actually, I will say this. I think you draft Cade Cunningham, and if Cade Cunningham is this generational talent, we maybe are having a different conversation. But Cade doesn't look like that guy to me. Um uh, and I think that that's there's one of the bigger even problems. if he is, they're still really bad. Yes, they're awful. Yes. Like they're like them being them being this terrible suggests or almost proves that he's not that. But even if he was, who else is a starting who who else looks like a starting level NBA player on this team? And Mo, I know you've already said one name, and you know, on the twilight of his career, we probably would like to get boy on to a place where, you know, he, he can provide, you know, some juice sort of as in, you know, in the, in the last days of his, of his useful and uh, life. Where do we want to send boy? Yeah. But do you guys have a home for boy on? Yeah. I, I have a home for him. Mm. I don't know if it's realistic in any way, shape or form, but I'd like to see him on the Lakers. Ooh, I, think I was going to go to LA too, but the other one. Yeah, Ooh. no, the other side of the team, don't mess with it. They got something good going. Seth's back at the campfire lighting now. Um, <laughs> they got a good thing going at the other place. Don't mess with it. The Lakers need to punch up their offense in the half court. I think he helps them there. And I don't think he would take down their defense that much. He'll hurt it a little bit, but not to the point where it would really be an issue. I just don't know how they get him. I think that's that's just a massive upgrade on the Tarian Prince oh, yeah. spot. 
I don't think it. I don't think it. I don't think it's a downgrade in defense defensively there at all. I think it's just. I think that's just a, a pure win if they, if if they were able to make that work somehow. Yeah, maybe the Warriors can steal him. They they could use some help if they're actually going to try to win. But this it year. won't. But it it won't matter because the Pistons are going to overvalue him and demand that they get three first round picks for Boyan Bogdanovich. They're completely they're, guessing. They're stunk. <laughs> they're sunk. Um, you guys got anything else before we wrap up this week? No, I think I've uh, annoyed enough fan bases today. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I do. Let me set um, up this thing so everyone can think that we just hate every team. That's half my job. Since this is coming out on Wednesday, can wish my wife a yeah, happy birthday. Yeah, of course, you can wish her a happy birthday yes. if it came out any day. Happy birthday to Maya! Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and uh, I, I'm not sure we'll be, we'll be back before the New Year. So happy New Year to you guys! We're gonna have a holiday special next week, so you'll hear our voice, but uh, we won't be live. For Seth Part now and Moda Kill, I'm Dave DeFord, and this has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. Before you guys get out of here, wanted to let you know our friends over at BetMGM is giving their seven days of parlays until Christmas Eve. So go over and check it out. BetMGM account holders will receive a token to use on select parlays and SGPs each day during this period. So if you want to take advantage of this offer, go to the seven days of parlays page and claim your daily reward. Receive parlay boost tokens to use on select parlays and SGPs each day during the promotion score a bigger payout if you win your parlay with the token activated happy holidays from the king of sports books at bet mgm as you've probably heard by now we've teamed up with bet mgm this season we'll be using bet mgm lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use bonus code the athletic and you'll get a one-year subscription to the athletic plus up to a fifteen hundred dollar first bet offer on your first wager with bet mgm here's how it works Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.